This podcast may contain adult language and situations, graphic, gory details, and other not-so-nice things. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Ashley. And I'm Lacey, and this is United States of Murder. This week, we're in North Carolina discussing the dark fate of two women. Then, we'll talk about a fairy tale romance with a not-so-happy ending. So buckle up and join us on this dark and twisted ride through the Tar Heel State. Not everyone will get the reference, but Mayberry is an idyllic hometown that was made famous on the Andy Griffith Show. Mayberry really does exist, but by a different name. The TV show town was based on Griffith's hometown of Mount Airy, North Carolina. Mount Airy is a small southern town with all the charm of Mayberry. By all accounts, it's a family-friendly place to live, with beautiful views located at the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. You're no fool, you know there's a catch. Monsters live in any town, and Mount Airy is no exception. The convicted killer in my case today is from, you guessed it, Mount Airy. So Tina from North Carolina emailed us this case suggestion a while back, and she knew one of the people I'm about to talk about. Oh, she did? Once I'm done with the case, I'll fill you in on what she's had to say about all this. Dorothy Woods Johnson, who went by Dot, was the baby of the family. She was the youngest of three siblings and a cousin that lived with them. Dorothy was born with a facial deformity and had several tumors growing in her mouth and neck. Oh. Yeah, I didn't see the term, so I'm not sure what exactly it was, but because of where they were located, it made it very difficult for her to eat. They were removed early and would grow back, so because of this, she was operated on nine times, starting at the age of six. I wonder if they they were tumors, or were they like vascular anomalies? I'm not sure. It just said tumors. Ugh. Terrible. Yeah. According to her brother, Donnie Woods, she was a brave little girl and didn't even cry about it. So she did go on to graduate from Madison Mayoden High School and started working at the Toltex Textile Plant. Dorothy loved to dance, and on the night of April 12, 1991, Dorothy drove out to the Winston-Salem nightclub called the SRO Country to meet up with some friends. She'd been there before a few times in the past, and Dorothy was 35 years old at this time. Hey, 35-year-olds like to dance? Well, yeah. 45, 55. She didn't return home that night, and the next afternoon, her nude body was found lying beside a secluded cul-de-sac in a new development known as Friendship Forest in a rural area of Stokes County. Mm-mm. Yeah. Don't like this. This was just 15 miles away from her home near the Rockingham County line. And this gets a little graphic. I'm sorry. She had been savagely beaten with a blunt force object, cut with a sharp object, sexually assaulted with a blunt instrument, raped, and manually and ligaturely strangled. Oh my god. Really, like, everything had been done. It's horrific. (sighs) Her car was still in the club's parking lot, though. Investigators talked to the club employees, and they said that they did see her around midnight last. Donnie Woods, Dorothy's brother, has said that He has heard several stories about his sister's evening at the club and when her friends last saw her, but he doesn't know which to believe and he will not talk about them. That kind of gave me the impression that the friends have different stories. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Which could just be because they were drunk or, you know, who I don't know, just speculation. Just a few months later, on July 26, 1991, another body was found in a cornfield 
off of Bethania Road. 38-year-old Deborah Jane Henley had been brutally beaten, cut, stabbed 12 times, strangled, and sexually assaulted with a blunt object. Mm -mm. So very similar to Dorothy. She had two long incisions on her chest and two more across her neck. Deborah was last seen alive at the SRO nightclub on Thursday, July 25th, 1991. So same place, similar injuries, similar manner of death. Witnesses said that she had accepted a ride with a man that she had been dancing with at the club. So this night, the club closed around 1.30 a.m., and she was there pretty much until closing time. And since several people were also leaving the club at the same time, there were a lot of witnesses. So investigators did quickly find out who this mystery man was. 25-year-old Carl Mosley and two of his friends named Travis and Tony were regulars at the SRO club. And on July 25th, they were all there together. Later that night, at closing time, Travis and Tony spotted Deborah Henley getting into a car with Carl, and they drove away at approximately 1.40 a.m. in Travis's car. So apparently he was going to borrow Travis's car to drive her home, then return and pick him back up and drive back because he didn't have his own car. So kind of strange that he invite he asked to drive her home anyway since he didn't have his own car. But I mean, it happens. Dudes do weird shit. Oh yeah, I'm not. Trust me. Oh, I know. <laughs> After an hour passed, the two guys just left the club in Tony's car because Tony had his car there and they had been waiting for a while. So they're like, okay, whatever. He's not coming back. Well, as they were driving, they both saw Carl coming toward them in Travis's car, but he was alone. So they're like, what's going on here? They Both cars pull over and they all got out. Travis asked Carl where he'd been and he said, quote, the damn bitch didn't live where she said she did. He elaborated and said that she lived on the other side of King, North Carolina, and that's why it was gone so long. Spoiler alert, that wasn't true. She didn't live that far away. A police officer happened to be driving by. I mean, it's late at night at this point. It's like almost 3 a.m. He sees three dudes standing on the road. He asks if there is a problem. They say no. They all disperse, head home. So the next morning, Travis noticed a small amount of dirt and weeds on the floorboard of the driver's side of the vehicle. So he had just thoroughly cleaned it the day before. So he knew this was new. The next day, the property owner of the rural area Forsyth County found Deborah's body partially hidden under cut corn stalks in his cornfield. This cornfield was just five miles from the SRO club, around a nine-minute drive. It was also within one mile of Deborah's home. She, was she would live home. very close, <sighs> yeah. Her body was found completely nude, and her clothing was never found. During the search, a single dark hair was found underneath one of her fingernails. The day after Deborah's body was found, Carl called both of his friends and asked them not to tell anyone that he was at the SRO club on Thursday night. But he said it's because he was on probation and he wasn't supposed to be drinking and out on out at bars. They thought this was odd, though, because they've recently been to clubs with Carl and he never asked them to do this before. One of the guys pointed out that his name would be on the sign-in sheet at the club anyway. Have you ever heard of clubs having sign-in sheets? Oh, for sure. If you're a member or not. Like if they're, if they're like a private club... Yeah. Then I, they'll have to have like a member sign in or sign in under a member's name. Gotcha. I tried to Google this place. It must not be in existence anymore. I couldn't find anything on the internet. And I don't know what SRO stands for. If you're in Winston-Salem and you've heard of this club, 
Let me know. Carl told them that he went to a woman named Nancy Bolt's house that evening, and she would be his alibi. Of course, news spread, and Travis and Tony found out that a woman had disappeared from the SRO club on Thursday. So guess what they did? They immediately contacted the police. Good. The police obtained search warrants and retrieved the clothing that Carl was wearing that evening, as well as two pocket knives he had. Traces of blood were found on Carl's boots, shirt, and jeans, but they were just small traces, but they indicated either secondary transfer or spattering. A pathologist later testified that the size and shape of the wounds on Deborah were consistent with the knives seized by authorities. The state soil analyst found the soil on Carl's boots to be consistent with soil samples taken from the crime scene. Carl was arrested and went to trial. A resident of the area who was also an acquaintance of Carl testified that Carl had once questioned her and her husband about their property and remarked that it would be a good place to leave a body because it would take days before it would be found. In the beginning of the investigation of Dorothy Johnson's murder, law enforcement did have several men as suspects, including a former boyfriend who was known to be possessive and jealous before they broke up. But the men ended up being eliminated as suspects after the DNA came back and didn't match. They also had solid alibis. So Dorothy's body had semen in it. I know, it's unfortunate, but it did allow for them to get a DNA profile from it. And the DNA profile from the semen on Dorothy's body matched Carl Mosley's DNA profile. According to the DNA unit of the SBI, the chance that the semen was not Carl's was approximately 1 in 274 million. So it's likely his, yeah. Both women were found under similar circumstances in rural areas where Carl was known to have traveled. Both women had dirt around their fingernails, were barefoot, and had ground in dirt on the soles of their feet. Like they were drugged, maybe? I'm not sure. Barefoot? I, like Either they he forced them at gunpoint to walk or it didn't say for sure. An FBI witness testified that the signature to each crime was overkill, which is also a little strange since he didn't know them before the night. Right. Carl's defense argued that the DNA evidence wasn't reliable, even though they offered no evidence to exclude him as the murderer of either woman. They argued that the killer was an unknown, dark-haired man. They said DNA isn't a good enough excuse. It's still being studied. We don't know if it's right or not. As additional evidence in support of a prior felony conviction aggravator, the state presented evidence of a 1990 conviction of Carl Mosley for assault with a deadly weapon, inflicting serious injury, and the attempted second-degree rape of Laura Fletcher. She had a rap sheet. Laura met Carl in June of 1989, which was two years before the murders happened, and agreed to go for a ride with him. Carl drove her to a secluded road in a rural area and began to kiss and touch her. She resisted, then Carl took a gun from the glove box and ordered her to completely disrobe. She did what he said, and then he ordered her to perform oral sex, and at one point had a gun to her head. Why do they do that? Trust me, if you're... You don't want me anywhere near anything that you want to keep, if you catch what I'm saying. Yeah. You're going to kill me any fucking ways. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Well, Do with that what you will. Well, a struggle ensued at this point, so maybe she had the same thought. Well, the gun ended up going off, but not intentionally. Like, it was a struggle, then that shot. Well, it hit Laura's hand. Just her hand, luckily, I mean, that's still terrible, but she survived, 
Well, oddly enough, after the gun hit her hand, Carl took her home. He had given her his real name, but also another name at one point. So I guess he was just hoping she would remember the fake name. She remembered who he was and yeah. Carl Mosley was convicted by the jury of the first degree murder of Deborah Henley and was sentenced to death. Since Carl was adamant that he was innocent, the NC Center for Actual Innocence represented him. So in 2010, Carl, along with hundreds of other inmates on death row, filed claims under the Racial Justice Act, which was signed into law the previous year. So under the law, death row inmates could use statistics and other evidence to prove that racial bias played a role in their sentencing. If the bias was proven, their death sentences would be converted to life without parole. But here's the thing. Carl Mosley was white, and both women he raped and murdered were white. I was confused too. Mm-hmm. He said he was discriminated against because he was white. I know. In general, studies have shown that defendants are more likely to face the death penalty if at least one of the victims is white. And I guess they took that and ran with it. So Carl Mosley's motion argued that he was a victim of reverse racial discrimination and he was more likely to be sentenced to death because the victims were white. This is just what the report said. I found an article that was written by Deborah Henley's niece, whose name is Ashley, in regards to the act. She was seven when Deborah was murdered in 1991, and she and her family were very upset that Carl's sentence had potential to be changed. In the meantime, Carl was diagnosed with stage four stomach cancer in July of 2021, and he died at the age of 56 at the Central Prison Healthcare Complex in North Carolina on February 17, 2022, so a couple months ago. He'd been in there around 30 years. Not that any of that's justice, because that's... Is there such thing when you've lost someone, but I guess technically... Your case sucks. It does. It's not good. Not that any of them are good. No. Now let me tell you what our listener Tina had to say. Oh, please. She knew Carl, although he was several years older than her. When she was 13 years old, her best friend, who was 15 at the time, dated him. So I'm guessing he was even older than 15. I don't know the exact age difference. So she later found out that he used to hit her. Hmm? Yeah. Not So this girl, Tina, was 13. Her best friend was 15. Her best friend was dating Carl. He hit her. She didn't know at the time. He was she found abusive. Out later, yeah. She found out later about that. And she said she was around him a lot from the ages of 13 to 17 because they would all hang out at a local skating rink. And he was a DJ there. Oh, the DJ at the skating rink. Yeah. No. So he was around a lot of young people. Yikes. And she also said... That makes me sick. I know. I know. She also said that several years later, before the women were murdered, he shot at his wife. Her stepsister happened to be at the emergency department and saw her come in. She had held her hand up in defense and a couple of fingers were shot off. So to me, I wasn't able to find this online... Because maybe she didn't press charges, but also maybe this was Laura Fletcher that I mentioned earlier. I don't know for sure. So I couldn't find that another woman had her hand shut off. I don't know if Laura, I don't know. But Tina ended the email saying that he ended up being so different from the person that she thought she knew. She didn't know he was, because mm-hmm. he never done anything to her. Right. But she, he was hurting her friend, but she didn't know at the time. That's, it's just... Hidden in plain sight, you know? It may vary. Local DJ. I'm serious. <laughs> may marry the skating ring DJ. 
The skating rink DJ, yeah. <sighs> Crazy. Mm-hmm. So John G. got us a cocktail this week. He did? Yes, John G. Thank you. Thank you, John. So I think what we're going to do is take a quick break and go make something. Oh, boy. Lacey's going to poison me. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, so we have a couple of rock town and teas. <laughs> nothing yeah, fancy, nothing crazy. Lacey didn't poison me. No, didn't poison her. We've we've had cocktail suggestions. I just haven't had enough time. We we were under tornado warnings today. It's been oh a whole my god. Thing. It's been this whole freaking week. I've noticed slowly that you've converted everyone into drinking ice picks. Everybody. The other day, Tim ordered an unsweet tea and vodka all Yancy. around the table. Around the table. I'm like, see, you guys rolled your eyes, and now you all drink it. Problem, though, one of the bartenders thinks that's my drink, and I don't want it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll drink it. Don't worry, it's not at Charlie's. If they bring it, I'll drink (laughs) it. I'm like, I ordered a gin and tonic, sir, but he (laughs) ran away. I'm like, what is this? I drink it. It's not bad. It's not terrible. I just would need some equal, I guess. Anyway. Thanks again, John, for the drink. We always appreciate that. We love a drink. We do. And let's mosey into your case. You don't know my case. Okay. You you might after I start talking about okay. it. Because there's a ton of podcast 2020 specials, which mm-hmm. is where I got a lot of my info. Datelines. There's a couple books. Anyways. Mm. So Molly Martins was one of three children raised in Knoxville, Tennessee, to Tom, who was an FBI agent. And Sharon. She would eventually go off to college at Clemson University in South Carolina and study pre-med. But college was hard for the girl who never had to work at it in high school. Mm -hmm. She was riddled with depression Mm -hmm. and debilitating migraines. Something had to give, so she drops out. So the 24-year-old decided to do something different and signed up for a nanny agency. Little did she know that this decision would change her life in the worst way. So thousands of miles and a continent away lived Jason Corbett. He was born and raised right outside Limerick, Ireland. He was handsome, a gentle giant in his early 30s, and a widower with two small children. Oh my gosh. Jack, age two, and Sarah, who was just a few months old. Oh. Their mother, Margaret, or Mags, as she was called, had passed away in the middle of the night from an asthma attack just 12 weeks after giving birth to Sarah. So it was rough for the the whole family. Jason was super close with his siblings. He had two sisters and five brothers, and they all tried to help him out while he worked as an executive at a packaging company. But eventually it gets too much for everybody, and they suggest that he hires a nanny or an au pair. Mm -hmm. So a year and a half later, in 2008, this is where Jason and Molly's paths would cross. The agency that she signed up for matched her with the agency Jason had signed up for. And skiddly-bebop, Molly was on her way to the Emerald Isle. Nice. So the two meet and hit it off and sleep together. The first night. Lacey's eyeballs right now. Mm. I mean, I wasn't there. And there are conflicting stories, <laughs> but in a nutshell, it wasn't long before the two were in a relationship. <sighs> so Molly has essentially become a mother overnight to two young mm. children, and she loved it. Okay. So the couple get engaged on Valentine's Day of 2011, 
And in 2012, Jason puts in a transfer with his company, and the little family moves to Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Oh, here where my story Yeah, is. and they, they get married. Okay. So Molly's thrilled to just be four hours from her parents. They move into this huge 5,000-square-foot home. Jeez. Four bedrooms, four baths, on a golf course. Things are great. Kids make friends, play all the sports. Jason's golfing. Molly's busy decorating their home. And things are almost perfect. Molly's upset that Jason won't make her the kid's legal parent. She wants to adopt them, and he doesn't want her to. I'm trying to think. How long have they been together at this point? Since 2008. So around four Four years. Four or five years, yeah. I mean, and he just, he like, he doesn't want to erase their biological mother. I could see that being a tricky thing to do. I don't know. It would be a... But she's the only mother that they know. Mm -hmm. So, anyways, Jason's sister would go on to say that it's because the two weren't getting along as well as everyone thought. And Jason wasn't happy in the U.S. And he had plans to bring the kids back to Ireland without Molly. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Molly would go on to say that Jason was controlling. He would get mad and yell at her over the smallest things, especially about money. That he was paranoid that she was going to cheat on him. He dictated what she wore and where she went. Of course, this is all Mm -hmm. he said, she said. Mm -hmm. Molly seeks out an attorney at one point to see what legal leg she had to stand on with the kids since she wasn't their legal guardian in the event that they divorced. Well... And the attorney told her, you know, record these arguments and fights, document it. And she did. And I listened to several of these recordings. And he is yelling. And the kids are screaming. Are you serious? Stop fighting. Just stop fighting. It's very, it's very hard. It's sad, guys. Like. So I do have a question. Since she was recording them knowingly, mm-hmm. is it just clips of it or? Like one of them, he's. It sounds like, because, like, they're video clip or, you know, recordings. They're not mm-hmm. actual videos. Um, it sounds like they're, he's telling her, I just want to eat dinner with my family. And she's talking to the kids, like, get the pancake mix out mm-hmm. and do this. And he's like, why are you talking over me? Why are you not listening? Do you not hear me? And she's like, just hand me that bowl. Like, it's almost like she's ignoring him. Uh-huh. Maybe it's passive aggressive. Maybe it's because she doesn't want things to escalate. Yeah. So she's just yeah. trying to diffuse. But he ends up like oh fucking gosh. screaming at her. Do you hear me talking to you? And she's like, stop screaming. In front of the kids. Yes. And he screams again. And you hear oh, the little no. girl scream, stop biting. Oh, no. It's very sad. That's it's very sad. sad. But again, it's just a clip. We yeah. don't know what happened to bring. Anyways, Molly would also say that he would choke her. During some of these arguments and make her pass out. And sometimes this would turn sexual. Like it would start out like a fight and him choking her. And then it would get into like rough sex. Anyways. So this makes Molly think that maybe this is what happened with his ex-wife. The one that passed away. Oh. Like did he kill her during a fight in the middle of the night? Molly's dad, Tom, would also say that he had a conversation with Margaret's, his ex-wife, you know, that passed away. Not his ex-wife, but his wife that passed away. 
Um, so apparent, yeah, former or wife. Wait, his late, late, wife. late. Thank you, thank you. Um, so apparently there was like a family gathering, and her dad was there, and so they were just shooting the shit. And he was like, "So what do you, what do you think about Jason?" And he allegedly told him, "I think she, he killed my daughter." He later denied that this okay. conversation ever happened with Tom, but Tom swears that this is hmm. what happened. So on Saturday, August the 1st, 2015, around 8.30, Molly's parents come over and they're going to spend the night. They're like four hours away. Tom said he could tell that Jason was either drunk or had been drinking when they arrived. So the grandparents had brought with them a Little League baseball bat for Jack and a tennis racket for Sarah. Jack was actually not there at the time, so he'd have to wait to give him his Mm -hmm. present. So the family settles down. They go to bed. The parents are in the extra bedroom in the basement. Molly and Jason are on the first floor, and the kids are on the second floor. So around 3 a.m., little Sarah, who is seven years old now, has a nightmare, wakes up, goes to her parents' room, and the kids had been warned, don't, don't wake your dad up. He gets pissed off and screams and, you know, whatever, so... And this breaks my heart because mm-hmm. Max is eight, and I can't imagine him having a nightmare and being yeah. scared to come to me. That's horrible. Yeah. So Sarah taps quietly on the door until Molly gets up, and she goes upstairs and lays with Sarah and gets her back to sleep, comes back down, and Jason's awake and is fucking furious. So he's yelling at Molly telling her you're coddling Sarah. She's too old for that. And Molly's just like, you know, she's seven and she just needed some loving. You know, she's had a bad dream. She's scared. So the fight escalates and the two begin to argue and Jason puts his hand over her mouth to shut her up and they're struggling. They're fighting. So, you know, her parents are downstairs. Her dad hears thumping and, Uh and sounds and tells his wife, you know, Molly's mom, stay here. They had dogs. Oh, Keep the dogs. Close the door. I don't know what's going on. He didn't know what's going on upstairs. Yeah. Did somebody break in? Like, he doesn't fucking yeah. know. So, he grabs a baseball bat. Oh, my. And heads upstairs to, you know, to kind of see what, what's going on. Tom gets to their bedroom, opens the door, and finds Jason choking his daughter. So, he's yelling... I'm going to kill her to her dad. Uh. So he now has Molly turned around kind of in a headlock and is she's in front of him and is like backing into the bathroom uh-huh. in their bedroom. And Tom says, you know, I, I know if he gets in that bathroom and close that door, he's going to kill my daughter. So he charges Jason, hits him with the baseball bat. Jason's still going into the bathroom with Molly. So he goes to hit him again with the baseball bat and Jason catches it and jerks it away. And when he does, Tom goes flying across the room and is like in the floor. Mm -hmm. So now Molly and Jason are in the bathroom. Tom's laying in the bedroom floor. Jason heads towards Molly's dad Like, he's going to hit him with his baseball bat. So, Molly grabs a paving stone that was in the bedroom. why was a paving? Okay. So, apparently, 
she got these and the kids were going to paint them with her and they were going to put them around the mailbox, like for decoration. Okay. So they were in her bedroom with the paint. So she grabs one of them and hits Jason in the back oh. of the head with it. Tom grabs the bat. Jason's flinging him around. He eventually gets the bat from Jason and starts hitting him with it. And Jason falls to the ground. He's bleeding profusely from the head. They call 911. Tom is heard telling the operator, he's hurt really bad. I've hit him with a bat. I think I may have killed him. So 911 operator tells them to start CPR. She's going through everything. And again, I've listened to this 911 tape. And Tom sounds almost annoyed. Like it's an inconvenience for him to have to. Like he's very smug and snarky. Like, I know how to do CPR. Oh. Like, almost like he can't be bothered. I'll let you listen to it. Maybe we can play it. Anyways, Molly, on the other hand, is completely distraught. Like, you can tell in her voice. She's like, she's trying. She's freaking out. She's almost hysterical. They take turns doing CPR. And you could hear Molly? You can hear them. So, in your opinion, this is just an opinion. In my opinion. Does she sound... Genuine, in your opinion. In my opinion, she sounds genuinely upset. Tom's like, this man just tried to kill my daughter. Like he's trying to kind of justify. Right. Maybe. 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 So ambulance, you know, gets there, takes over. Jason was hit over 12 times (gasps) between the bat and the paving stone. And his injuries were awful. Police walk into a gruesome scene. Blunt force trauma to the head, lacerations and contusions, skull fractures and hemorrhages on his torso and extremities. They're they're all covered in lacerations. His skull was crushed and his scalp was ripped off. Like he'd literally been scalped. Yeah, it's awful. The police separate the two and take them down to the police station for questioning. They take pictures of both of them, documenting their injuries. Which surprisingly, there weren't any. No. Other than Molly had a red mark on her neck. So she goes over the fight and him choking her and dad intervening. Tom tells him what he saw and heard. You know, he tells him, you know, what Jason was doing to his daughter and him telling her to let go. And then the fight ensues. The police tell them that clearly this is self-defense and there's not a problem. And after seven hours... The two are released to go home. So the two get back home and the police tell them, we're done with our investigation. They had taken all the pictures and gathered all the physical evidence that they could, which wasn't exactly lining up to Molly and Tom's story. The blood spatter on the wall was about 12 to 18 inches off the floor, which shows that Jason was on the ground when he was struck with the bat. So he wasn't hitting anyone with the bat. He was on the floor. They take the paving stone. There was blood splatter on Molly's face and nightclothes. Tom was covered with blood splatter too. And it was even in his boxer shorts, which shows that Jason was lower than him when he hit him. If he was above him, how would it get underneath? So it's not adding up. Yeah. I mean, I I agree that if someone's... Being strangled in self-defense, I agree with Girl. doing what you got to do to get out of that. But if you hit someone and they're on the ground and their scalp is off and they've been hit with a paver and a baseball bat a bunch of times, 
I'm not I saying mean, that it's – I don't know. Agreed. All I know is as a parent. Oh, yeah. If yeah. somebody sna- – okay. If, if, you, if this if you were my in, dad yeah. and he saw somebody yeah. with their hands around my throat, it would not be good. Yeah. I'm not saying it's okay, but I'm also a parent. And if I saw somebody snatch a hold of Max, you better fucking buckle up. Anyways, that being mm-hmm. said – So Molly goes and immediately files for guardianship of the kids, but it doesn't matter. Molly's petition for guardianship was denied because in Jason's will, he named his sister Tracy as the guardian of his children. So the children are brought in and interviewed and they record them and they are going over all the arguments that their parents had and the fights and they told them that they had witnessed their dad being physically and verbally abusive to their mother. Mm-hmm. So Jason's sister arrives in the United States. Oh, and yeah. 16 days after him. his death, she takes the kids back to Ireland. Wow. And the kids were upset. Well, yeah. I mean, they, they've been in the United States. They have friends. They have schools. They have things going on. And this is the they've only. Been there for years. And this is the only mother that yeah. they've known. Yeah. So now they're back in Ireland. Their dad is dead. And they're with family that. I mean, they knew them, but you know what I mean. It's oh, not, they well, weren't I mean, they there. Have, probably haven't seen them. Right, yeah, right. No, it's totally different. So it's terrible. Just terrible, terrible yeah. time for him. So Tracy doesn't let the kids talk to Molly. Molly actually puts on social media um, oh post after post, hoping someone will see it and tell the kids that she loves them and misses them and that she's not giving up on them. But Tracy's like, you killed my fucking brother. Like, n- no, yeah. no. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have a brother and you want, I, she probably didn't believe her brother did these things. Right. Even if he did. Right. You always want to think the best of people. So from her position, she just thinks, you killed my brother. And now these children these, are orphans. They're, they belong to me. They they're belong legally, to me. This is they're my children. Yes. Yeah. So I can this see. This is my blood. And it's messy because they're in the middle of all this. Yeah. So I can see the sister's No, yeah. Position. Oh, yeah, yeah. So at no point during any of this has it occurred to anyone that Molly and her dad were being investigated for Jason's murder. Because nothing's happened. Yeah. So five months later, Molly and Tom are both arrested and charged with second degree murder and voluntary manslaughter. Neither one had been interviewed by the police again after that first night when they were released. I thought they were like, oh, you're good to go. Yep. Interesting. Yep. Never interviewed him again. Never asked him. Never called him. Showed up. Arrested him. Charged him with murder. So there had to have been something more, right? I mean, it's odd. They usually interview suspects a few times. Yeah. So, and give them a chance to like come clean. Like we, we know, you know, whatever. So the trial begins July 17th, 2017. And would last 17 days. Tom would say during court that he just did what any father would do, which is true. I mean, I hate to say it, but they pointed out for him to have beaten, you know, for him to have been beaten by Jason, he would have had marks on his body and you had nothing. There was no defensive wounds. There was no bruising. It was like you walked in and just started beating him. Not saying that's what happened, mm-hmm. but to them, it's like you don't you don't have any. If you're in a right, yeah. if you're in a scuffle, even you. Um, anyways, they also asked why his wife never came to help and why she never phoned the police. He said, "You know, I told my wife to stay downstairs. 
keep the dogs in the room, keep the door shut, because he didn't know what was going on up, upstairs. Molly did not testify in this trial. It took the jury three hours to find both Molly and her father, Tom, guilty and sentence them to 20 to 25 years in prison. That's a fast trial. Yeah. Yeah. The jury was shown pictures from the crime scene, which they would later say were horrific. Yeah. They would also point out the fact that Molly never brought up the physical or mental abuse by Jason until after he was dead. Which happens. People don't yeah. want to say, I'm just yeah. playing the devil's I'm advocate. I'm never going to say that that's suspect. Yeah, no. Because it happens. You don't want to, you're embarrassed. You don't yeah. want people yeah. to know. And she's worried about the kids. And, you know, yeah, it's I, just sticky. I could never say, yeah, no, no. It's, it's, that's never quote unquote convenient. Uh-uh. That's plenty of women uh-huh. don't say anything or never say anything. Right. It doesn't mean it didn't happen. Right. The testimony of the children that was recorded was not played in court. And neither Sarah or Jack would testify at their father's trial. I mean, it's their dad. So Tracy, John's sister, thinks that Molly killed him after she found out that he had planned on taking the kids and moving back to Ireland. So apparently, Jason had been talking to his sister over the past few weeks about how unhappy he was and moving back to Ireland that he wanted his kids there, and that him and Molly were not working out. He had supposedly told his children that they were leaving and to pack a suitcase. He had been researching flights. But oddly enough, the home computer, laptops, suitcases, and his cell phone were never found. Really? Yes. Okay, that is... That's... Yeah. Also, Jason's life insurance policy had also been changed right before oh his death. Nope. Oh, boy. It was originally 50% went to Molly, 25% to each of the children. But after his death, it was discovered that Molly was now 100% the sole beneficiary. Mm-hmm. You know he wouldn't have done that even if they weren't going to break up. Ooh, Mm-mm. I was trying to think Mm-mm. the best of Molly here, but uh-uh. it's not looking uh-uh. good. Uh-uh. I'm sorry. The the life insurance being 100% her, he wouldn't have done that. I, I'm saying it like I know him. No. You, I'm no, just saying no parent from would. what I know uh-uh. about this perspective Mm-mm. in him. No. No. He, no. 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 No, no, no. So just 10 months before Jason's death, Molly spent roughly $90,000 on herself. Just herself. Trips, clothes, whatever she wanted. Do we have a time frame of how long she... 10 months before Wait, his murder. 10 months. So mm-hmm. within 10 months... Before his murder, she spent that much money. God, that'd be hard to do. I mean, I could do it probably. <laughs> You're like, not for me, girl. <laughs> not for me, girl. I'd do it. <laughs> I'm like, what would I, how much Taco Bell does it take Lord. Me? So people would also come forward and say that she kind of bullied him for his weight. And at one time they were at a party and she was kind of making fun of him for being a bigger guy. And he was so embarrassed that he left the party alone. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Now this is all hearsay. And people tend to but come to out. But to be fair, her part was too. That's true. You know what I mean? But Saying people, that he was... People do tend to come out after crimes happen and they're like, oh, well, I heard her say... Yes, that is very So-and-so true. and so-and-so, which may have meant nothing anyways. Yeah, that's true. So with all of this uh, stuff coming out, Molly's ex-fiance also came forward and said that she broke up with him after she moved to Ireland and had already started this relationship with Jason. And he talked about her depression and... All the things, but who knows? Yeah. He may also have been 
you know, wanting to have a little bit of the limelight, mm-hmm. you, you know, whatever, FaceTime yeah. in front of the news and all the things. So fast forward, four years later, 2020, the North Carolina Court of Appeals overturns the second degree murder convictions of Molly and her dad, who were sentenced to the 20, mm-hmm. 25 years in prison. The Supreme Court upheld the lower appellate court's decision, which states that the case will be retried by the Superior Court, and there's another hearing set for the week of May the 23rd of this year. Oh my god! And there is no new trial date set. The fact that the children's testimony with social services was not played during the trial was a key issue. The trial judge excluded these statements, but the state appellate courts concluded that... His decision to do so was a pre-judiciary error that denied Molly and Tom the chance to bolster their self-defense claims. So they're saying they proved, these children testified and proved that these fights occurred all the time. They were physical. They were mental. He hit her. He choked her. These children said that these things happened. Yes. And you didn't put it in court. So... It kind of makes it look like self-defense was a bullshit cop yeah, out. Yeah, they were kind of making it seem like she was making it making up. Making it what up. proof did right. they have? Well, right. Children are right. also saying, yeah, they did right. fight. Right. That's, wow. And also, neither kid testified at the first trial, but will likely testify at the second really? one. You know, they're teenagers now. Yeah. And both children have indicated that those initial statements that their father was emotionally and physically abusive towards Molly were lies. Whoa. They're now saying that Molly made them say that. Oh my gosh. Now they've also been in Ireland with his sister. This case is... Could be... I'm not saying she is, but you know your dad would never do that. You know what I'm saying. Like, I can't believe that your dad... You know. I don't know. I'm just saying. So, Jason's family has been very outspoken about wanting Molly and Tom retried. They claim that Molly and Tom committed premeditated cold-blooded murder and she believes that they should have been charged with first degree, not second degree murder. The blood splatter testimony given at trial was also a focus of the appellate court's ruling to overturn these sentences. And as of right now, Molly and her dad Tom are free on a $200,000 bond. He's in Knoxville, She's traveling the country with her brother and posting shit on Instagram. Oh, gosh. So, they're out until the new trial date's set. And then, who knows when, after they go to... In May, that's just like, they're just going to be there for 10 minutes and decide, okay, we're going to try this case in September or whatever. So. This case... It's terrible. It's a wild ride mm-hmm. because... Mm-hmm. First, I'm mad at Jason. Then I'm mad at Molly. Then I'm mad at Tom. And then, mm-hmm. then I'm mad at... Oh my gosh, I don't know who the... Mm. I, don't, I don't know. I would it's hate insane. to be this jury, honestly. But, well, and but we forget that the jury see doesn't see everything. They're they're kept from certain... Like they were kept from the kids' testimony. So it's kind of hard but to... But here's the thing, too. It's like when these cases like this, and like I'll send you the pictures or you can Google them or whatever. She's a beautiful blonde girl. And he is a, is a little husky Irish man. But he's handsome, and everybody mm-hmm. would call him a gentle giant and all these things. And, and he so, has an accent, which is... Lazy loves. You, you get more <laughs> points. You do. <laughs> Unless so, you're from the South. Unless no, you're from the South, then you sound like you got cornbread in your mouth. Yeah. No, but it, it's it's yeah, hard to... That's 
Holy cow. But you know, it's like, even with the recordings. Yeah. If you're not there, even recorded stuff can be taken out of context. Yes. Like, I can pick and pick and pick at oh, you until you're oh, yeah. so pissed at me and then just record a part of you cussing yeah. me out yeah. and be like, see how hateful she is? Yeah, you could – I feel like they would need to have almost like a, a ring camera that had been right. recording for sure. days and days and right. days right. Hadn't, that had been proven, not edited, so you could actually mm-hmm. see it. Because mm-hmm. I agree, like, if you just record certain things – it's never okay to fight like that in front of the kids. Him, like, that's, no. I'm not saying that's okay. No. Him screaming, that's not okay. No. But it could also, it, if she's fighting with him, is she going to show that to the, right. you know what I mean? Right. So I don't know. There's a lot of hearsay in this. A lot. And it's just one of those things where a lot you, of you're not said, there, said, yeah. you don't know. God. But, yeah. I'm going to have to look into this because it's, oof. So I watched the 2020, um, it's called Last One Standing. I'm going to watch this maybe tonight. It's... I'm really Well, and, and if you watch it, I want you to pay attention to Molly's body language. I'm a big body language yeah. person. Like, I feed off energy of people, and it looks to me, in my opinion, don't come for me, people, <laughs> that she's fucking lying. This is just an opinion. She will we never make eye contact. She's looking all around. She's looking yeah. at the floor. She's looking up. She's looking to the left. She's looking to the right. Very little. And also, maybe she's just nervous. I don't know. Maybe she's nervous. She's uncomfortable. You know, the court of public opinion has said that, you know, you're full of shit. And it may not be true. I would feel better about her if she hadn't changed the life insurance right before he died to all go to her because that is super suspicious to me. But she also apparently had a spending problem. So also allegedly, we don't know. I don't have, I've never seen a bank statement. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not that good of an investigator, but (laughs) I have all of her records, all of her records, but you know what I mean? I mean, everything can be. Yeah, you can look at this case from a thousand different, thousand perspectives, different perspectives, and they might not even, any of no. them be right. That's what's... So anyways... Gosh, I don't know. I Just know. from you telling me she had pavers in her bedroom, I was like, oh, I don't know. Just saying. I guess they were doing something. I mean, but you... I don't know. You might be... Pay- I've got rocks in my house where Max wants to paint them. It's not because I want to pick one up and hit somebody. Stand. No. <laughs> No, I have murder books beside my bed stand, which also is not a good look. I mean. So anyways, that's that's my story. um, Molly and Jason, terrible. It started out so well. She moves to Ireland. She's Now she's a mom. She's got a purpose in life. He's handsome. He's got an accent. She's these perfect little children and things are going great. And then bam, murder. Awful. It might be because it's always in the negative press, but I feel like anytime there's a nanny au pair involved, it's something. Well, you not know where right. I stand on all of that, so we'll just put a pin in that and we'll talk about that. But if I ever have another child, first of all, I've lost my mind because I'm a hundred years old. My nanny will look like Mrs. Doubtfire. Well, to be fair, he was a widower, so he, you know, he didn't cheat. He didn't cheat, but but the other ones like. It's always, mm, yeah, no, I agree. Mm, tell that to Jude Law, cheater. Anyways. He cheated with an Andy? Yes. <gasps> oh, man. Wasn't it him? I don't know. Did I just lie? I he didn't. And we're going to have to cut now this out? I'm going to have to cancel him. Look, I, I cancel cheaters. 
celebrities, I don't even care. Well, that's uh uh-uh. Well, that's why I had to um, hate Tom Brady. Oh, I hate Tom Brady too because he cheated. Yeah, I hate a cheater. I hate sports, but I don't like him. And he was married. Yeah. Oh God. Yes, to Sienna Miller, who has sex on legs. This woman is gorgeous. It just goes to show you. It doesn't matter what doesn't matter. Like it doesn't doesn't matter. matter. You can be Rosie O'Donnell. You can be Sienna Miller. I Googled her her trash the other day. That's so weird (laughs) that you mentioned Rosie O'Donnell. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Cheated with the nanny. No. No. You're there to watch kids. Do it. Take care of the kids. That's it. Nobody else in the house needs you to take care of them. No. Mm -mm. Also, we're not coming for just the nannies. No, it's not the nanny. It's not the nanny's fault. I mean, I mean, they're participating. If you're participating, that's one thing. But the men pursuing the nannies or whatever, just ugh, don't like it. Don't like it. Oh well. Anyway. Anyways, this golf is my whole. If you have a nanny, red. okay. <laughs> real talk. If you have a nanny, email us and tell us what's her age. No, <laughs> I'm just curious. Send us photos. I want to know the average age of nannies. Like, I don't know. Like twenties, I think. Like early twenties. Oh my gosh. I would think they're like young. Well, and to be fair, it's I keep saying that. To be fair, it's because they're younger and can get paid less because they have no experience. Blah, First blah, of all, blah, nannies blah. don't they're not being paid peanuts. Oh, they're nannies making bacon, make a, a fucking lot of money. Oh, I know. These Stanford, Connecticut <sighs> nannies. Woo. What else can we talk about? They're making bank. My armpits are sweating. What can we talk about? I'm too old to be a nanny, but oh, <laughs> I've Jesus. aged out of being a nanny. <laughs> I've definitely aged out. <laughs> oh my gosh, no. If you're a nanny Why listening, we love you. We need a manny. Manny. Hmm. Well, we have a few new patrons. Let's do it. Are they any nannies? I don't know. I do not. I also, should, from now on, when you join career, our patrons, tell us we're going to have a career tab. No. Just kidding. Tell we don't us give on a shit. A, yeah, we don't care. <laughs> we don't care. Heather S., another Heather. Mm-hmm. But guess what? She's from Arizona, which is our first Arizona patron. We just flew over Arizona. We did. We love your mountains. Not mountains. Canyons. We love your canyons. <laughs> I didn't get to sit by the window. I didn't get to see shit. Aww. I like Arizona. I've been to Sedona and Phoenix. Nope, never. Loved them both. Never been. Beautiful hiking. I could go back right now because I'm sick of the rain and I doubt you have a lot of rain. I don't know. Probably not any tornadoes either. Anyway, so uh, Heather emailed us some pics of her dogs, Scout and Miss Juniper. A couple Lacey of cutie pies. I know. So for real, I'm working on a post in the future about patron pups. The pups of Patreon, the backbone holding us all together. Or maybe just me. Thank you, Heather. Oh, and we have Annie F. from Ohio. Perfect. Thank you, Annie. So Annie mentioned an Arkansas case, randomly enough, that I honestly don't know a whole lot about. I've heard some of it in the headlines, but former Arkansas State Senator Linda Collins was stabbed to death in Pocahontas, Mm -hmm. Arkansas, by Rebecca O'Donnell in June of 2019. Uh Uh-huh. And there's a dateline on this case. I'll have to look further into it. When I Googled it, at first when she said this, I'm like, what happened here? And I Googled it. I'm like, oh, I remember seeing this woman on TV and stuff. But I don't know a whole lot about what went down. But we'll have to look into that one. Yeah. Thank you, Annie. Thank you, Heather. Thank you, John. We love you all. Oh, thank you. Another shout out. Mary for making 
Shout out to Mary for making our first ever, do we call it fan art? What yes. Do we call that? And I love it. And I think we should make it into oh a sticker. Oh my gosh. We'll have to ask her permission. She designed yes. a cute graphic of the not so nice things in a bottle. It's super cute. <laughs> it is so cute. It we, is so cute. We posted it to our socials. So go check it out. I'm like, oh, who knew not so nice things could be so cute? So I went to Charlie's Drag Brunch, which I talked about last episode. And it was so good. That's what I heard. I missed it. Now I'm sad. It, I was happy. They were packed. Raj was even bussing tables. He's one of the owners. Raj and Charlie. The Charlie. The Charlie. <laughs> the Charlie. But they were, it was a good show. They're queens I hadn't seen before, I don't think. It was funny. I was, one of them came over to our table, was doing her thing. And she was walking away. And I'm like, she smells good. And she heard me. <laughs> she turns around and looks and goes, thank you. Yes. Oh my gosh. Like, I'm like, I'm glad I didn't say anything bad. <laughs> but it was a fun show. They had Prosecco, mimosas, See, the whole that's setup. Fun. I need to I need to go next time. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I think they're gonna do it every couple of weeks. I could be wrong, but if you're in the area, seriously go check out Charlie's in the River Market. Even even if it's not for drag, go check them out. I think we're gonna go there now because I'm hungry. I'm starving. And I've been at work all day. Anything else we want to add? Ashley almost got tornadoed. Oh, God bless. I had to spend 30 minutes in a tornado really shelter did. because they're like catastrophic damage, tornado. This is going to be awful. And it's 10 minutes away from where I was. And so I have my eight year old in the tornado shelter who is Mm-mm. hysterical, crying, throwing up, all the things, asking me if we're going to die. As a parent, horrifying, never, ever, fucking ever want to go through that again. We made it. We're good. It did not hit us. Thank God or Buddha or whoever you pray to. It's terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. Never want to do it again. They really are scary. And then it stormed last night. And then today. (sighs) Spring in Arkansas. Spring in Arkansas sucks a donkey dick. Hate it so bad. You get one nice day every now and then, and it tricks you. It's like 70 degrees, no, sunny, beautiful no. blooms. And then the next day, tornado, tornado sirens, wasp, guys, pollen, all the hail damage, tree limbs down. And then it's going to be 30 degrees tonight. I can't fucking take it. And then it. tomorrow, 70 and sunny. Yeah, can't do it. I'm going to have to go. That's why we're going to have a drink because I'm stressed out. If you live in an area where there's not tornadoes, I know there's always something earthquakes, hurricanes, but. Tornadoes, yeah. you get no prep time. They you, you have know, twenty minutes tops. We were just talking about this before mm-hmm. we recorded. You'll either it, they'll be like a tornado's going to hit and damage the area, or it may or may not storm. To, you have no idea until the sirens go off. You don't know. Well, then they're like, be prepared. Just be prepared for worst case scenario all fucking day. So all day you're in yes. a pile of a panic attack. I've been waiting on it. And nothing that bad happened. And then nothing here happened. Today. I, I mean, thank God. Yeah. No, I'm happy. Because then you Definitely. have those other instances where oh. they're like, oh, it's yeah. not gonna get too bad. And the next thing you know, they're like, there's an F four on the ground and a cow just flew by. Oh my gosh. I can't deal with it. Arkansas's bad, but terrible. Oklahoma, man. Mm, can't they're getting in Kansas. Woo. Tornadoes are one of my after seeing Twister in 95, I think it was 95, Mm-mm. I've been terrified of tornadoes. But anyway. We're, we're, we're going to have a drink. We're going to have a drink. Bye. Bye. Bye.